Let's face it, living takes guts and living a full life takes a lot of guts. Igniting Courage podcast is the place you can come to get a blast of courage from real people who are clawing their way through life just like you are. We're going to talk about big courage and also little daily courage. You'll hear people's opinions on how to build courage and how to summon it when you would rather join the circus and never be heard from again. So welcome. I'm glad you had the guts to show up for this conversation. Hey there, and thank you for joining me on Igniting Courage Podcast, episode 66. This is my interview with Chris Converser. I don't even know how I met Chris, but she's an author locally here where I live. And somehow I ended up in a writing group with her. So not only did I get to enjoy her books, but I got to enjoy the wisdom that came with her writing. Well, I know Chris as an author, but Chris is also a fascinating person from a courage standpoint. She's got great things to share as far as some of the social conversations that are happening right now and in living a non-traditional life and making that choice and having the courage to stand up when it was time to stand up. So enjoy this interview with my author friend, Chris. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I am here with Chris Converser. She is a friend of mine, an author, a fantastic human being. She was in my writing group for a long time, so she's supported me in my writing. Thank you so much for coming over and being you on the bet. podcast. It's a pleasure. Yeah, no, it's fun. Thank funny. you for having me. And I don't, when I think about it, I know you're writing, I know your stories, but I don't know you that well, so I'm really no, excited to dive into this. I'm a little scared here. <laughs> no, nah, I don't be. I'm teasing. Um, so, Let's just start with the basics. What does courage mean to you? Courage means to me um, moving forward through your fear. It doesn't matter how much fear you have, whether it's a little bit or a lot. You just like just go for it. Yeah, and and it's so interesting because so many people say, "Do it." I'm fearless. You have to be fearless. But that's a bunch of hooey. No, that's a bunch of hooey. Yeah, everybody feels fear. There was a one time in a power plant things went to shit. Now, I don't know if people understand power plants, but they're a big steam kettle. And if things go to shit, if water hits the steam, it can blow up. And everybody can be emoliated. There, you, you can find turbine blading a mile and a half away, and that's about it. Whoa. So everything was going to shit. There's about 250 people in the power plant, and uh, it goes to shit. Everything going off, and it turns out only eight or ten people stay behind. And like an idiot, I was one of those eight or ten people that stayed behind. And I was scared to death. I thought I was going to die. To I fix really, stuff. Right, to yeah. fix stuff. And it was just one other guy and me on the one edge. It's called the burner side, and then there's the turbine side. And I was on the burner side with one other guy, and we just went into automatic pilot. And we were both scared to death. Mm -hmm. But we stayed. And, that, you know, that was a big one. That was a big... Um, after it was all done, I was shaking, of course, but... Um, after it was done, you were probably like, why did I do that? <laughs> you don't know if you're going to stay or not. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, yeah, and it's interesting. And yeah. I was recently, my, my neighbor fell down her stairs and her daughter had to call 911 and do, and yeah. so I went over there mm -hmm. to help them. And you always wonder, what am I going to do in those situations? Right. How am you I going to react? And, and so it's, mm -hmm. it's nice when you get through it. So when I asked you what we were going to talk about today, because mm -hmm. I was like to decide to chat about a theme, yeah. you kind of had a little mysterious answer. You said, I could tell you the original story. <laughs> I can tell and you. And so I'm opening it up. What is the original story? Well, there's actually two. The first one I, is my very first memory. It was um, my first house in Benton Harbor and it was a dirt floor in the garage 
and I had this cat named Jojo, and uh, we would play what I call hand and paw. I would just hit him on the face, back and forth, back and forth, and he'd try to get me with his paws, and he would get so frustrated because I was really fast even at three or four years old. And finally, I'd just give him my arm and let him scratch it all <laughs> Because I thought it was Totally mean. fair. <laughs> yeah, totally fair to give him a little bit. And my dad would come out and he goes, Margaret, she's doing it again. And he'd haul me in, put my arms in Epsom salt, and it'd sting. But he go, why do you keep doing that? And I said, well, I'm a warrior. Now, where that came from, I have no idea. But he goes, oh, my God, she thinks she's a warrior. <laughs> But really, the first time I knew I had courage was when I was walking to school by myself one of the first times to kindergarten. It was only half a block this way, but I had to cross with a light and then cross with a light. And I was really anxious this one time because I saw these really big kids throwing rocks. And I thought, oh, I'm good at throwing rocks. I can't wait to get over there and show them how good I am. So I went over there and I'm pushing through and they're throwing rocks at a cat against a brick wall. It was a school building. And these kids were much bigger than I was. And I just went right over the cat and I said, no, you are not going to hurt this cat anymore. And they said, if you don't move, we're going to throw rocks at you. I said, I don't care. You throw rocks. And I still remember to this day what it felt like to a rock in my neck, a rock in my head, a rock in my shoulder. And the bell rang and they said, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to be late. And I said, I don't care. You know, and they went in. And I took the cat home and I told my mom what happened. And then she walked me back and I never got in trouble. And I knew then that I had courage because I was just a kindergartner. And these were all like third, fourth, fifth graders. And they were much bigger than I was. Yeah. And no, you're not going to hurt this cat. And it's all about the why, right? Yeah. Your why was bigger than them. them. It was bigger than the pain. It was bigger than the fear. Anything. Yeah, no fear. It was, you know, I had fear, but not really. Was you're not going to hurt this cat. It was not a question of what you were going to do. No. no and question. and again, you didn't get in trouble. I mean, this is one of the things that worry about too. Yeah. Is, you know, what's what's the fallout going to be? And people worry so much about all the bad that's going to happen. Right. But when your why mm -hmm. is intact. Yeah. Mm. It's a big why. Yeah. 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 I've always had that that I don't like a bully, so it's really hard these days. Well, because people like to be a bully right now, and it's not cool. Mm-hmm. And you have to call them on it. You have to say that's not cool. Well, and I remember another one of your stories. Oh, walking down the street, somebody, I don't remember whether they hollered something out. Oh, yeah. They, they <laughs> hollered. Let's see. Um, my mom had passed away. And um, my former partner's boss actually sent flowers. And I saw her on the street. And she gave me a hug. And someone said, dyke! <laughs> and she froze she it, she was very upset and I said oh don't worry they probably know me <laughs> <laughs> well, those are my friends <laughs> yeah and she kind of laughed and I said really it, you know I can count on one hand how many times that's happened in my life and they're more afraid than I am that's just their fear showing and it's so interesting that that when you think about people who bully people online who bully people yeah. in person who have to be mean yeah it comes from a place of fear fear and it's a it's a fearful mm -hmm. thing to do it's not a courageous thing to do right. because you're trying to so one of the things that's a social conversation today mm -hmm. is that we don't have enough people in blue-collar 
work, mm -hmm. especially in this area. There's not enough people that are doing the trades. There's mm -hmm. not, everybody's getting pushed towards college and um, when we're not having enough people to do the hands-on work and we've got a lot of people who are in white collar jobs who are miserable. Yeah. And so you were recently telling me about a choice you made early on. Yeah. You got the brains to go be a doctor, or a yeah. lawyer, yeah. and your parents were pushing you to that because yeah. that's a quote unquote successful future and yeah. secure whatever secure, that means these totally days secure, yeah. and uh, and you chose to go a different path yeah I chose to be outside and work with my hands because I like being outside I like working with my hands um so I uh I at first I started working for farmers and then I happened to fall into a job at the municipality as a temporary laborer and then they offered me a permanent job so I took it for I was only going to take it for five years, but I took it for like ten and a half, and I learned how to be an equipment operator. But you start in the ditch. You're a ditch digger, and that's my mom was just beside herself. I go, oh mom, there's really cool things. I mean, I came up with this um, <laughs> artifact I found in the dirt, you know, and, and all these really cool things. And and she goes, yeah, but those guys, you know, how do you deal with a guy? And this is what I was going to ask you because I remember other stories of mm -hmm. yours where you've you're in a man's world. Oh, totally. And and you followed your passion. You yeah. did what you love. Yeah. Uh, and yet, you you know, you're in a guy's world, and yeah. guys. Being guys and, yeah. you know, maybe not wanting a girl there. Well, definitely not in the water department. I was the first permanent woman. But the thing, the first three years, I had a guy that was my manager that really wanted me there. And then he left and a guy took his place that hated me. Mm. He hated me because I was who I was. I never hid who I was, but I never, if someone asked me a direct question, are you a lesbian? I'd say, yeah, I am. You know, and I've been with my partner X amount of years, blah, blah, blah. And um, But you weren't walking around grabbing all the girls' no, butts, right? No, You're not making a big no, thing of they, it. No, I wasn't. Right. Making, yeah. There weren't any girls' butts. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I might, I mean, I mean, I might see an attractive woman and I might, I might look over. But I, they're doing the same thing. They're doing, you know, right yeah. in. <laughs> they turn around and go, oh, man, I can't believe you're looking at the same chick I am. I, Why not? You know? <laughs> but anyways, um, you know, and then it was real interesting. They felt they could be more honest with me. But there was always this thing where when they were having a bad day, it didn't matter. They would pick on the girl. They would pick on the female. And I remember one time I wasn't, I would not allow myself to wake up before I got there. <laughs> I wouldn't have a cup of coffee till I <laughs> walked into this place called The Hole. And around, the, um, usually I was one of the first people in, but that time I was a little late. And this guy that used to be my buddy in the power plant had turned out to be a real jerk. Well, he started doing drugs, so uh, that affected his personality. So mm -hmm. he turned around, he had the coffee pot in his hand, and he goes... Well, baby, I'm going to tell you what I told my daughter. This is a man's world. So John was African-American. There's Spanish people down there. There's white guys. And he, he puts coffee pot back. He doesn't even give it to me. He doesn't even pour my coffee. He just, like, slams it in there like, I don't have any respect for you. So I take the coffee pot and I go, John, you're right. You're, you're exactly right. It is a man's world, but you better put white in front of it. It's a white man's world. And he just went, oh, oh shit. <laughs> and he goes, you're right, baby. You're right. I said, I know I'm right. And I put the coffee pot back and all the white guys are sitting there covering up their jewels. Yeah. Going, oh shit, there's more of them than us. And what the hell did you just do? You know, you just threw us. 
you know, but you know, you have to find your sense of humor. I think I did. I found my sense of humor. I think that came from my dad. And in certain situations, there was a guy that, you know, he was being sexual about stuff. He goes, "Oh yeah, you you want a real man? You come over to my house." Oh like, boy! I go, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I said, "What are you gonna do? Invite the neighbor over?" Yeah. <laughs> And then he said something else. I said something else. And the guy just said, Dan, forget it. She just buried you, man. <laughs> you give so, it back, yeah. Yeah, you just got to give it back. And there there were times it was really hard. Again, I was in a crew truck in the wintertime. It was boring. We'd have to turn valves or turn hydrants or whatever. And it was just boring work. And you'd have four or five people in the truck. And one time it was all white people. And they started using the N-word. And I said, I don't want to hear that. And they said, well, too bad, you know, blah, 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 you know, and they were just going on and on and using the N-word. And I said, okay. This one guy in particular was doing it. So I said, okay, you're going to do that. I don't want to hear it. I'm forced to sit in this truck with you. I, um, that night, I went up and I went to my buddies. And I said, hey, George, Miko, um, I got something to tell you. So I told them the anecdote. And they go, well, what are you going to do? You know, Randy do that? You know, whatever. And I said, yeah. And they go, oh, Randy pretends he's all, you know, cool with us and all this shit. And I said, yeah, well, mm-hmm. you know, down at the time clock, come on down a little, few minutes earlier. And they said, okay. So we're down there. And I said, hey, Randy, why don't you tell Miko and George what you were talking about today in the truck? And he looks at me, his eyes open up. Mm-hmm. I go, yeah, yeah, use that word you were using all day long. Go ahead. Tell them, tell them what. And they go, yeah, brother man, tell us what you were saying. <laughs> so he knew, and everybody, and they said, man, Chris, that wasn't cool that you called Randy. And no, I said, it yes, wasn't it cool was. <laughs> that Randy used that word, mm-hmm. you know, I don't Well, and, and wasn't, he was just flapping his gums, you he know what I mean? He was just trying to be one of the white yeah. guys, you know, bullshit the on Cool that. guys, yeah. Yeah, that's bullshit, you know, it's yep. just, no, I'm not putting up with it. That's the time you don't hold your tongue. That's when you don't hold your right? tongue. And, well, and, and gossips are the same way, you yeah. know, I mean, it's the same thing that people talk about women as hen, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. but guys do the same thing. They're it worse. Just comes, They're comes worse. A lot I, of different I, things. I've worked with them since I was 19. I, they are worse than When it goes right back to that bully thing yeah. and that fear yeah. and trying to be the cool guy but don't want to be called out for it. Right. One of the one of the we talk a lot in leadership seminars about how do I deal with the people who are gossiping in the office when we have that talking mm. behind each other's back, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And one of the strategies that I tell people is when somebody comes to you and says something you know that they don't want. You know, oh, Chris did this and this and this. Yeah. I like to say, hey, oh my God, does Chris know people are saying this? Let's go tell her. And people <laughs> are like, perfect. what? They look at you, their eyes get wide. They're like, don't you know how gossip works? Like, <laughs> they will not say stuff anymore because they know yeah. you're going to, you know, bring it out. Bring it out. And, uh, and I think that's such an important yeah, thing to call people, on that hold stuff. them accountable. Yeah. Because yeah. really, it's it's a disease. It's a, mm. it, it festers with no light. So if you put a light on it yeah. and you air it out, it's like an infection that you clear up. Mm-hmm. And and everybody feels a lot better for that, that way. You know, I mean, Randy probably didn't appreciate it, but, you know, he got over it. Yeah. And, you know, grow up. You yeah. know, when are we, 12? Right. You know? And, and I think that you have to have the courage to be able to call somebody out, but then mm-hmm. somebody else has to be, have the courage to say, you know what? I messed up. Mm-hmm. We've all messed up in our lives. Yeah. Be able to say, you know what? You're right. I was wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know. I still mess up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and yeah, getting yeah. beyond that takes courage too. Right. right. So where do you think all this courage you have comes from, from when you were five? Is it just genetic? You just that know. kind of girl? I don't know. I think I was reincarnated. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't you think? I don't know. Yeah. I sometimes I do. I think I was just reincarnated, and and uh, my sister is like a party girl. So to me, she's like a, a little happy zygote, and and everybody's trying <laughs> to dampen yeah, and everybody's trying to dampen her light because she can be a little loud, a little louder than you want her to be sometimes. Well, I don't know her. anybody like that. <laughs> But that's the joy. I yeah. love that joy, and I love that exuberance. And so for me, it was more like I just felt like I came in as a warrior. And and the really the trick was not to continue to beat people up like mm. I did when I was a kid. Yeah, right. Because I would I would beat up. You know, there was this guy. He beat up on a little girl, and I caught him, and I beat the living crap out of him. And I was probably six, seven years old, and then. I saw his brothers making fun of him, and in my little six, seven-year-old mind, I said, oh, Kirk did that because his brothers beat up on him, and he was the Oh, youngest. wow, you had that empathy so I early. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it as soon as he went, and they were saying, you let a girl beat you up, and they were mistreating him, and I thought, oh, my God, I shouldn't have beat up Kirk, but he beat up Anna, and I had to, you know, to keep him... So don't mm. ever beat up. Such an interesting perspective and having the courage to put yourself in the shoes of the quote unquote villain. Yeah. You know, and you did this earlier with Trump. Yeah. Trump is a dividing factor. However right. you all feel about him, right. you know, however you feel about him, yeah. you said his mom probably didn't hug him. He was always with the nanny. His dad always put him down, you know, and so being able to put yourself in the right. shoes of quote unquote the villain right. is such an important and emotionally mature characteristic well I think and we, you did that from early age yeah I, it was just something maybe my parents so where else is this courage I mean you're a published author yeah. two books now three two. working on the third yeah. actually I, I I did make a little billy goat book so there's three and working on the fourth and I have two more on the shelf and I've just always written since I was eight years old. I've always made up stories. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's good. Your writing is so, so fun to read. And I'll put some links. It's Saving Vincent and uh, the, the Urn Carrier. The Urn Carrier, which yeah. is also on Audible. I listened to that one. Yeah. And you read that. So I read that. Yeah, that was my fun. first one. I wasn't very good. But. So, so here's the question for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. What does fear stop you from doing? You talk about being a warrior and so courageous, mm -hmm. but I'm sure there's something. I think, if anything in the past, I was more willing to stand up for other people than myself. Ah. But I actually have gained courage to stand up for myself now because I got, actually I got into credit card debt subsidizing everybody else. <gasps> when people would say, you know, I can't afford that, but can you do it for this? You know, because now when I do handiwork or whatever, they're always trying to, you know, get a deal or whatever. And in the past I would try to be accommodating but it got me into credit card debt mm. well after six or seven years i dug myself out of a hole this is the first year i've been credit card debt free oh congratulations thank you it was big. a big deal it was a big deal i was yeah. you know 20 to thirty thousand in debt and i got myself out um i did have some support i did have some people that um you know would support me here and there but um then you know and i went through a divorce my long-term partner and i had uh, uh, broken up in 2004, but I I wanted to take the high road and I probably gave too much, but uh, on the other hand, it got me here. Mm. It got me here. So you always look, no regrets. You just say, you know, yeah, you did that and maybe that wasn't in your best interest. That was probably one of the times 
where fear, you know, I wanted to keep a good friendship. That didn't even happen. So, you yeah. know, why, why did I do that? You know, why did I do that at the expense of myself? It was, so I, looking at that, yeah, so fear of not to, you know, so now I would say this year I've really come into um, standing up for myself like I should. I mean, I, w I stood up for myself as a gay person. I, you know, if someone was harassing me as, there was a guy that followed us down the street one time and my partner said, no, 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 I don't want you to confront him. I don't, no, no, no. You know, just, you know, let's get to the vehicle. And I had my pickup truck. <laughs> and it was East Lansing. It was the summertime. It was dead in East Lansing. And this guy had been saying all sorts of nasty, nasty things. And I just hopped the curb and pinned him up against the wall <laughs> of a parking garage. And you're not a giant person. What are you, 5'4"? Yeah, 5'4". Maybe 140. Like, you're not a giant person. <laughs> but hey, I just said, you messed with the wrong bitch today, man. <laughs> and he, like, uh, he didn't know what to do. I said, I'm going to let you go, but don't be doing this. Don't be doing it. It's not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for me. <laughs> you know? And like I tell people now, it's like they'll try to poke me. There's certain people try to poke, poke. And what's your what's your weakness? Maybe I can get you mad at me if I do this or do that. And I said, you don't want to see that, Christine. I don't mm. want to see that, Christine. Mm. So let's not. Yeah. You know, let's yeah. not and say we did. Well, and it's, it's, it's so interesting because I think so many people, when they get to the place where they're like, I need to stick up for myself. Yes. It is a all me, no you, yeah. sticking up for myself. Right. But it's so interesting, I think the combination of your empathy with your learning of having the courage to stick up for you, yes. just you as a human, not yeah. you as a gay person or you right. as a woman in a, right. a man's world, just Chris. Just me. That combination, I think, is so super powerful yeah. because it keeps you from kneeing that guy in the jewels and saying, hey, yeah. I'm gonna let you go, I'm not gonna hurt you. I just scared the crap out of you yeah. because I'm this tiny little person just pinned you against the wall. I'm not tiny. But I'm being able to say, well, I mean, but yeah. I'm, I'm seeing this guy as like 6'4 and 250 yeah. well, he pounds. Was bigger. He yeah. was definitely bigger. So yeah, you're not, you're not a giant yeah. person. Yeah. Um, but being able to say, yeah. I kind of get where you're coming from. I don't like it. It's not okay. And I'm going to call you out on it. Yes. But I know you can do better. You can do better. So walk away, right. my friend, and yeah. don't do it again. We all like can that, do better. That's oh my God, but that empathy is yeah. so important. And and to have that approach yeah. when you're sticking up for yourself is so cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I, I have a lot of respect for that because yeah. it takes a ton of emotional intelligence. Yeah, well, sometimes I'm not so good. Well, I'm sure not. <laughs> like we said, we could all do better. Yeah, we can all do better. So how would you recommend, I mean, I think so many people live in fear these days mm -hmm. and courage is such a difficult thing. Mm -hmm. So much anxiety, so mm -hmm. much fear. And you've got that warrior spirit. So do you have any suggestions for people on how to develop that courage? Well, I think like, like I told my friend Carl, <laughs> I said, Carl, you can either come out of fear of the brown people coming up mm. into the U.S. or you can come out of love. My parents taught me to do love. They they were very loving. They taught me to stand up for the underdog. I prefer love. I don't like coming out. If there's fear, there's a step towards learning. So I've always, as afraid as I might be to go into a large group, or canoe down the Mississippi with a bunch of strangers I never knew. Um, there was a step. I said, just step through it. Just mm -hmm. 
put it aside for a minute and sign on the dotted line. Sign that five hundred dollars away. Commit. Do what, commit. Yeah. yeah. Commit and then go. And then just be who you are. Be and, authentic. Yeah, and I think like I love what you say about approaching life and fear with love with rather love. than with, with anger love. and needing yeah. for power and needing for, you know, right. hurting somebody else so that you right. can get fine approach it with love and go for it. Go for it. Because yeah. really what do you have what have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? I mean you can choose fear or you can choose love. You can choose abundance or you can say it's a pie and there's only a little bit. Well mm. I don't believe in the pie thing. I believe there's abundance. I believe in pie. But <laughs> yeah, I do too. But I don't believe life is a pie. Right. I believe um, it, there's abundance. It's a smorgasbord. Yeah, there's, there's abundance for everybody. everyone. Yeah, yeah, there's plenty for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time and all your wisdom and your, again your emotional intelligence. That's something that I've been studying a lot lately, and it's it's that ability to have empathy despite challenges and problems and yeah. and humanness and i love your ability to see that and I'm, I'm glad that everybody gets to hear that from you well thank you and i'll put links to your books and all yeah. of that stuff awesome. on the description so people get in and yeah. find you and yeah. uh, and buy your book because the earn carrier was such a fun journey it's a yeah. journey that of a, of a woman who's you know uh coming of age essentially having yes. given this really cool opportunity uh and a, and a scary opportunity yeah scary and uh and she took it and just ran with it and it was i loved that book and thank i've you. loved writing all 